Hello and welcome to an episode of DPC TLDR. We have a fresh list of people next to me, which is lovely. And uh, welcome to the, the podcast. Owen, how are you doing today? I'm doing very good. I've been looking forward to being on this amazing show, and now here I am, ready to go. <laughs> Glad to hear it. Avery, how's, been, how's your first week been? Very enjoyable. Yeah? You know, surprise birthday cake. Surprise everything. Video messages. Yeah. What was the most surprising thing about your first week as, like, regular talent? Because you've been on panels before, but never as regular, regular talent, right? Never getting paid, no. That's, <laughs> I've done it for free, but... But you're getting paid? Yeah. Are you not? I have to have talks about that, yeah. We'll get together <laughs> later. But uh, I don't know. It's uh, very different than being a player in terms of uh, how you look at the games, I guess. Sure. Because I get to study the games from a perspective of making them entertaining instead of, I have to play this team. <laughs> and then it's in the back of your mind the whole week going into a DPC match of what is this team going to do? What do we want to do? So. And when you're a player, you're winning. Sometimes you're losing. When you're a caster or an analyst, do you feel like you're winning all the time? Yeah, pretty much. Yeah. Uh, I haven't lost once this Good. week, so yeah. it's pretty nice. I heard you won a lot of MMR, Effie. <laughs> oh, I won 60 MMR yesterday. There you go. 60? Well, 60, a whole 60. But then sit, there you go. Yeah. Today, I, play, I played this morning. I played two pubs before we got here. Guess what I did? Minus 60. Yeah. Back to zero. <laughs> Was it your fault, though? Never my fault. God. Come on, Owen. Come on, Dota 2. Is it ever anybody's fault other than our angry teammates? You know what they say? 9v1. That's me. I'm that person in 9v1. Me True. versus everybody. The world. The we, world. Everybody's an above average Dota player, right? Yes. <laughs> that is true. Actually, for the broadcast, it's true. Because the average, we don't have to hit that high to oh, read here, average. Yes, but I was, you know, everybody and every Dota player thinks they're an oh. above average Dota player. Yeah. Yeah, it's everybody else's fault, you know? You know what they say? If you could clone yourself four times, you'd have the perfect Dota team. I think if I clone myself four times, I wouldn't waste time playing Dota. I mean, imagine all the amazing things you could do if you could clone yourself. Like what? I'd, I'm sure, I don't know. I've not really put a lot of thought into it, but I'd imagine <laughs> many more things than being like, oh, I can play video games. You could live one life with five people. Mm. Just sub in and out. Yeah, but would you really be living the life that your clones were living? You could live five. Wait, 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 wait. Okay. Do they have the exact same skill set as my other, as as me? Well, it's They're a clone. You. It's you. So I can send one person off to work somewhere, and then another to work somewhere no, no, else, but, and no, I but, yeah, but personally you, will enjoy my life just receiving. No, because you would be sending yourself. So. As much as you would like to do that, it's very likely and equally likely that one of your clones would be doing the same to you or telling you to go and work whilst they live in life. I think... Well, how, would you, how would you know or prove to the other clones that you're in charge? You wouldn't. There'd be all Is there an alpha clones. clone? Well, there wouldn't be, no, because they're all exactly so the same. So you'd have to fight how for would it. You, yeah, how would you do it? And however you would do it, the other clones would do so the same way because they're clones of you. So... Where would, it, where would it actually end up going? That's a very interesting philosophical question. Have you guys seen that movie, The Prestige? Yeah. Uh, yes, actually. Where the magician, I don't want to spoil yes. it. But I've no, not seen it. It's, it's, a, it's a very old school okay. popular movie. It's a good movie. It, it's an old movie, so if, it, if it's spoiled for you, like you weren't even going to see it anyway. Honestly, let's be real. Or you should. Yeah, so, so the magician basically clones himself at yeah. the end. And 
for for the big trick that he does, the final trick, and then he kills the clone for for the trick, really. But the question is, is the one who's killing it a clone or the real him? Did the real him get lost in the process? Well, you, yeah, you'd never know. We'd right? never you know. know. You'd yeah. never know which of the clones Just was... Just the man who came yeah. out of the box, the same as the one that went in? That's the quote from the movie. Okay. <laughs> Very, yeah, deep and philosophical. Yeah, and then yeah. Christian Bale has a twin... <laughs> And yeah, he's like, oh, my daughter. How was he able to clone himself? He he magic. He but went no no. He got a machine built for him by Nikola Tesla, who in the movie they yeah. yes they made him out to be some kind of mad scientist, and he had all these. Like, I mean, Tesla would no, Tesla came up with some crazy. He, he stuff, definitely right? was. I, I wouldn't call him a mad scientist, but yeah, he basically. That was just that was a historically accurate. Is Te- Tesla's the one that was all about like vibrations? Yeah, he and talked. Like, he yeah, married a pigeon, and he was in the woods. And like the whole thinking beyond science stuff, right? That was Tesla, right? No, I be- that wasn't Tesla. I think that was Tesla. Tesla. Was Tesla the one that was obsessed with the number three? Was We're going to look at obsessed. Up. He, was like, he was obsessed with numbers. Right? Oh, you're a- thinking of a movie with Jim Carrey. In <laughs> <laughs> let's uh, let's oh. get back to the, to the DPC for a second uh, because uh, we had a crazy week here too because I think we started this, the season out in Western Europe where we had OG versus Secret, which was a very clean 2-0 in favor of OG. And it set the it kind of set the tempo for the whole week, Effie. Just 2-0s around the clock. I think OG surprised everybody. I, I just want to talk about them because when I looked at all of these rosters initially, I thought OG's was the scariest because it is an entirely new team and they took all of these potential... Like, players from Div 2, and they, they took a huge risk, right? They're putting them in Division 1 DPC without the experience that they need, and I, I thought they were doing something a bit, um, I don't know, dubious, I suppose? Dubious for them. But the results from their series so far is incredible. I don't think anybody expected them to play that well. And I think that's a testament to how, like, the diamonds in the rough do exist, and a lot of players have, a lot of teams have tried to replicate that, but they haven't really been able to. Right? You can look at Alliance and say, oh, they tried to pick up some lesser-known younger mm-hmm. players, but they didn't get the same effect that OG did. So, so. Here, here's the question I thought of with that. Okay. Which is, is OG just really good at scouting players? Are they just that much better than every other team in Dota at scouting players, or? Are those OG guys just so good that they can bring anybody in and turn them into beastly players? I'm going to give you a third or. Or. Or was Secret just really bad <laughs> that day? And we have no idea of how good they actually are is what you're saying? So yeah. actually, actually, we asked Puppy in an interview uh, uh, what he thought about OG. Yeah. yeah. Uh, we did, what did he say about OG? Yeah, he said, I asked him, how much of that was you being caught off guard by them versus how much of that are, are they actually a fearsome team versus oh your draft was a bit silly right they had the mid grim stroke and the four pudge mm-hmm. and he said it was them being caught off guard and no they were not trolling with the draft because they had played something like that in the scrims and it had worked so it looked bad because they lost but it's not like oh they were just throwing the game so oh, sure. they're honestly looking good it's not so much that Secret trolls or anything like that. No. And uh, Secret and Alliance are the only two teams that were able to play two series last week compared to the rest of the teams. The rest of the teams only had one series. And uh, they actually had to face each other as well, Owen. And that didn't go so well for Alliance, but actually for Team Secret, it did go well. Yes. No, it was the second game, right? That was really rough for Alliance, right? That was like, well, the 19... Was it 19-minute GG? Something like that. Yeah. It was 14. a very early GG. There was like a 14 or 15... Was it 15? It was even earlier than 19? It, it might have been. I remember it was a very short game. It was like a nothing game. They got completely uh, completely destroyed, which 
Uh, I think for a, a lot of people probably was what they were expecting of that series. Maybe they sort of were holding back their expectations because of the fact that Secret didn't look very good in the previous series against OG. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, obviously after we saw that Secret Alliance series, that definitely is more of a testament to OG being you know, very good that they were able to be a Secret that in the Secret Alliance game, you're starting to see some of that Secret domination uh, even with this new lineup that you'd expect from a lineup underneath Puppy. And we also spoke to Puppy, as, as Effie said, after the series, and he was very open uh, about basically everything that we, anything that we asked him, we got an answer to. Uh, and we have some clips for you as well, so that you're also uh, caught in a loop, uh, or you'd be kept in a loop, rather, about what Puppy said about roster shuffles and after parties and whatnot. So let's, uh, let's listen in for a second. The second, you know, TI ended, some stuff started happening and, uh, you know, a person started leaving, you might retire, you know, maybe I'm even losing my mid laner too and stuff like that. All that stuff was out there and uh, it just became very, uh, I would say like uh, shuffles are anyway quite toxic because uh, you you can't really approach people nicely about it and stuff. It's uh, it should be a nice dance where all the people go to ball and they're like talking to each other. But a lot of the times talking to somebody else kind of means that you're not believing in one team and stuff like that. It is it is supposed to be a relationship, but it's kind of like weird. It's it's more like one of those TV shows where it kind of <laughs> looks kind of toxic. It's it, it was a little bit weirder, I would say. I, I mean, I don't think it much that much changed, but I think it would have been uh, easier to... Uh, for people to open up mm. and kind of like have this kind of because uh, I don't actually know what everybody else thinks, you know, because uh, when people kind of like talk around, maybe get a little bit of drinks in them, a little bit, you know, fuzzy in the head, they might like open up a little bit more. And uh, it's just it's just more natural to to do it human to human rather than computer and human, yeah, to human yeah. in the middle of computer. He was very insightful. He also uh, mentioned that, well, first of all, you heard him say that he said that he almost lost his mid laner as well, which would be Nisha in this case. He also said that he would have preferred to play with the same roster in this new year as the one they had, which obviously didn't happen uh, because it's, it is like a relationship. If one person doesn't want to continue... They don't. They don't have to. That's how. That's how things work. But uh, with this particular shuffle, uh, Avery, I was hoping you could shine some light on that as well, because shuffles in general are like, you know, they're, they're like they're like mysterious for people that are not a part of it, because all these things happen, and all of a sudden, there's like all these new teams coming out. Like, is it a is it a, a toxic environment? Obviously, he mentioned the difference between an online shuffle or shuffle at a TI after party is very big as well. Yeah, uh, I think it can be toxic. Depends on where you are. I think there's definitely a hierarchy in Dota. Uh, if you're a top-tier team by most people's general metrics, I think if you're especially a captain like Puppy, or for example, the, the EG's position, um, OG's position for a while, these are teams where if you're going and trying to scout players for your team or ask players for your team, you generally have the first say to a large degree. Um, barring your team had terrible results or people don't want to play with you for some reason. So I think that hierarchy works its way down. A lot of the years we didn't see a lot of shuffle, I think were the years where those top tier teams didn't mix a lot up. And as a result, the dominoes don't fall, right? Uh, for a lot of the tier two, tier three teams, your options are dependent on how much of those top tier teams stay together or how much talent is coming up in your scene, which is super variable for region. But 
This year was definitely very weird. I think it was a lot of just Twitter DMs, random messaging. Yeah. Maybe you meet a person once in the hotel room before people left for TI. But some of these teams didn't decide their rosters till weeks after. And so that's very different than the typical after-party environment where you go up to someone and you can judge how interested they are in you, their confidence, their demeanor. Maybe you get along with them in that conversation. Maybe you don't. Uh, those were like back in the days where at least when Team NP formed, that was how I got on it. Yeah. It was that after-party talking to Eternal Envy and those guys. I would imagine that's a, that's a normal, a natural almost way of forming groups <laughs> it's it's like yeah it's it's a bit of a high school high school-esque scenario i would imagine where you've got the popular guys puppy walks up to you want to join you want to join my quarterbacks <laughs> I do feel, yeah? yeah i do feel like it's a bit clicky actually because sometimes I, I can't say it from an insider perspective obviously but from where we stand and we look at it from the outside it does seem like there are some people who just get along better and maybe if there is a, some someone who's a better fit um play-wise they would be overshown by someone that can just throw out with a certain team better, right? And I think some of the teams that come to mind that have had that environment in the past, like EG in particular, right? The, the, how close they were to each other is how they formed the team initially. So the question is, how, how important is that for a team to have that kind of like camaraderie as opposed to like focusing on just the technical aspect? It's a double-edged sword. The iteration of EG that I think did that the most was the TI 7 or 8. Mm -hmm. um, the one they had another 12th place finish. I think it was TI 7. Um, they formed that team on the idea that we want to be five boys chilling, mm -hmm. all good pals. That was the Sumail, Arteezy, Zai, Crit, and Universe team. Mm -hmm. And I coached that team to the end of it. They were pretty chilling till we did disastrous to TI. Um, right. So there's there's a line like you, you can be on good terms with everybody they can be your friends but from a competitive success standpoint it doesn't always mesh that well or work so you have to balance that out I think people learn that over the last four to five years in the game maybe therefore this year around oh an extra important boot camping because there was no party to to gel with people so now you gotta see if it works out with boot camps I mean I I would say yes or no because I would imagine. Especially in this age where some teams maybe formed, you know, through means that were purely on majority, you know, most of the communication was online, uh, that uh, boot camps might not necessarily make things better. You know, there's a, I, I imagine there's probably a chance that maybe you've been playing together online, you meet up and then suddenly some real life stuff, you know, becomes apparent, some clashes between personalities and people that actually makes you play worse. So... Uh, I think for a lot of those teams, it'll be a big sort of testing point when they do start boot camping. Of course, some have already, do, you know, doing it for the DPC, uh, playing in the league. Um, and uh, yeah, in this age where teams have been made where I don't think, you know, you, you look at all the changes, there's no way that all these people joining teams know each other that well in all of the cases. Uh, there's a high chance that you're going to get a lot of teams where there will be a lot of problems once they do start playing alongside each other in real life. Yeah, we have, uh, I believe, Alliance is boot camping, uh, Team Liquid's boot camping at the moment. We spoke to Team Secret, of course, and they are. It was an impromptu boot camp because <laughs> they had to relocate Ice 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 and Sumail, and they decided to play from Jordan, and everybody decided, well, I want to go there too because Jordan's a great country. <laughs> right, Effie? Yeah, that's my home. <laughs> it's actually so random for me to think that Secret are in Jordan <laughs> right now. Yeah, I like, wonder what they're doing. Are they just like eating falafels? They right down the street, like 
and walk over? And you go <laughs> just, just, just chilling in, in Jordan. No, um, Jordan is honestly a nice place to be, I would say, for a boot camp, just because I think the food is really good. And what do you do besides play Dota and eat together, right? So I, I always tell That's people, it. I love the food back home. You know, it's delicious. We've got all types of food from around the world, but done very well. You know, it's got that Middle Eastern touch. So good for them. That's what I'm happy for them for. It's What's the best thing to eat in Jordan? The best thing to eat? Yeah. Well, you're going to, I mean, if we're talking about fast food, shawarma, like our shawarma, mm. that's real shawarma. I've had shawarma in Europe, and that's not... It's not good. Oh. It's also normally, I mean, okay, so in the Netherlands, you've got a lot of shawarma. I was going to say, there's a lot of options. Yeah. Like, yeah surely you can get, you, can, you must be able to get good shawarma, but you're just saying sort of there's the base level. There's different touches, because different she says Middle Eastern touch, and I mm. think there's also a difference between every country. So, for example, in the Netherlands, the shawarma we have is mostly uh, out of Turkey, or at least the Turkish uh, way of preparing it. No. Whoa. <laughs> okay. okay to, to be fair, I haven't had a European shawarma in a while because I've yeah. been a vegetarian for about a year, so I haven't been able. But from memory, Turkish shawarma, not even close to Middle to like Jordanian or like Lebanese shawarma, not even close. The way that they do it, I love going to Turkey and eating Turkish food, and I think they do a lot of things better than we do, like kebab and stuff. Mm-hmm. But shawarma, no, they're just like two tiers below us. Wow, Damn. two even. Two t- Hope you're ready for the hate mail. Yeah, that's <laughs> gonna be already <laughs> flooding in. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, for Western Europe, so there's not that much more to talk about uh, at the moment. Alliance Zero Two Secrets One One, and uh, I think everybody's looking forward to coming week because uh, we're going to see OG for a second time this time against Team Liquid. Liquid, of course, won, but they won versus Cool Guys. So a lot of people were so like, "Oh, how good are they?" But I think tomorrow Team Liquid versus OG will be a true test. Uh, but let's talk a little bit, a tiny bit about uh, Eastern Europe because they also had their first week of play and. Previous season, it was all VP won seven series in a row, both tours in the season. This time around, oh, and they started on a loss. Oh, did they? Against Hellraisers, yeah. Well, let's have a look who's on these teams, see if I'm <laughs> surprised or not. Uh, so it was on VP, they got with these new lab, Pure. So I think... Still with GPK's DM. Yep. And uh, yeah, Elias. I think the thing that you should be aware of for Virtus Pro is, of course, they, they uh, removed save from the roster. So the captain is now GPK. He's captaining from the Yeah, it's definitely quite a shake-up. Uh, it's quite a shake-up the VP did take on the change. So I'm not, uh, you know, not surprised that this roster is not going to be off to a flying start. Um, I, I think it will probably get to somewhere rather good. You've got to imagine that VP is an organization, you know, they, they, des- they don't, they don't let anybody play for them, you know. They've they've gone with this squad. They've they've made these changes because they believe in these players. Mm-hmm. So I'm sure VP will still end up with a very good placement at the end of the the, the division. I'll be very surprised if they don't. Um, and yeah, Hellraiser squad again. Some sort of new names. I mean, obviously, like the the ones that stand out to me, are like Gilger and Ralbull. I mean, Gilger's been on. Uh, he he's been around for quite a few squads, um, but uh, he's definitely proven himself uh, in, in that sort of support role. So. Yeah, no, I mean, very exciting for Hellraisers. They were able to take down VP, but it doesn't yeah. surprise me that this uh, VP squad's <laughs> and not quite at full strength. Yeah, especially when they're yeah, as pure. I'm not, yeah, never heard of pure, so must be kind of a new lad on the block, uh, at least in sort of playing with a pro team. So Hellraisers actually um, picked up Watson, who is was been kind of a rising name just amongst like pop stars on the leaderboards. And I know that when the shuffle was going around, people were talking about two players in particular who they thought would get poached by some really good teams. And two of those names are Watson and uh, Space, who is known as Yuragi, who obviously had an incredible debut on OG. Mm-hmm. Right? So Watson 
and the Uragier space, they were just doing so well for themselves just in terms of like these high MMR pubs and everyone had their eyes out on them. So Watson doing well on Hellraisers is not a surprise to me, right? It's just another new blood, fresh talent who might just be someone who can just push a team or elevate the team to like the next level, really. And we've seen how these younger players have been able to just outperform all of these veteran players. So I'm actually not surprised at all. I do have to watch the series, though, before I can talk about his performance mm -hmm. in particular. But yeah, that's the name that stood out to me when yeah. I saw this roster. It's, of course, uh, very exciting to watch Eastern Europe this season because Team Spirit won TI, and I, I would imagine that shakes up an entire region, SVG. Yeah, it definitely brings a bit more clout. Yeah. Maybe some more intimidation. <laughs> People, I don't think we're taking them as seriously before. Now you have to. Maybe they still don't. I don't know. After OG won, they said it was a fluke. So maybe Team Spirit's also a fluke. But they did start with the win, <laughs> at least. Yes, uh, I watched those series. I think Team Spirit still looks really solid. Uh, sometimes you might think, oh, their gameplay's going to fall off. But they're playing the same stuff. Weavers, Banes, Centaurs. Yatoro looks as clean as ever. All of them look pretty good. Mm -hmm. They're still high-functioning. So I actually expect them to come out of that the number one seed. Um, and I think VP for me, they looked a bit shaky. I think they lost two of their most vocal players. Uh, DM can talk a lot, and I know the others, I mean, everybody talks in Dota these days, but I think Save and Nightfall were two of the more communicative ones. Mm -hmm. And obviously, part of why EG won in Nightfall yeah. was because he was the, he is 80% of your comms, almost no matter what, that guy will take him over. Yeah. So they looked a very different team. Um, so I think they have to figure out how those pieces fit together and get them to work. I think they still believe in each other, but that team, that team to me, the original VP was really five guys who came up together. Um, I'm not sure how familiar people are with that team's backstory, but they were kind of, they viewed themselves as the generation of miracles type five guys on the same anime path to victory, mm -hmm. really close, tight, same generational type players. So whenever you shake that up, you lose a little bit of the magic, so to say. Yeah, so it's I, a different team now. I remember Save saying, and Nightfall as well, that they were indeed the most talkative during the game and being the the, the in-game leader, so to say. Um, curious to see how that will develop. Also interesting to note, I think uh, Na'Vi lost their first series against PuckChamp as well. But that, I mean, most of the teams, again, have only played one series. It's just going to be a good region to keep your eye out for. Uh, and not much changed in a different region, North America. We still have Quincy Crew, EG, and Undying uh, Sitting at the top, I, I was, I'm curious, SVG, are we going to see that change, this this tour? Probably not. Probably not? Yeah, the truth is I don't think so. I think all three of those teams are still a pretty decent step ahead of the rest of the competition. I think the closest that's going to take games off them or maybe come close in a series would be the Zoomers. Mm -hmm. I think they can find some stride, um, talking to some of their players a little bit, I think. They are very motivated, and they feel like their team has good synergy, and they all get along. So that's a good basis to start from. But I still think there's a decent gap just in terms of, you look at the veteranship or experience of those top three teams compared to the rest of the region, and it's just a huge gap. That's really difficult to overcome. True. I must say, though, Owen Arkosh almost, almost overcame EG in game one of that series. It was a, it was a good game one. It was a I good think game a lot one. of people, uh, you know, it was obviously the first game for Arkosh, first game for EG. It's one of those ones you're going to tune into because you're like, oh, this will be a bit of fun. You know, it's a new EG squad and, and Arkosh, you know, in the upper division. Let's see how they go. And yeah, I think it was like, well, for the first, well, good, good sort of good 25 minutes or so, they were keeping it pretty close. And like, it, it was like, well, this potentially actually might work out. Uh, I believe that was the game though, right, where Arteezy was on like 
uh, Terrorblade. Terrorblade, right. Yeah. So it did get to the point where it's like, all right, Artis is on Terrorblade. It's past a certain point that he's going to be able to carry this game. But yeah, it was an exciting beginning of the match because there was definitely, it looked like Arkosh had a chance. So yeah, it was a very entertaining match to watch. And I think, well, both of those teams are obviously going to uh, garner a lot of viewers uh, in the, yeah. the North American uh, re region. I think, uh, yeah, people are going to be tuning in for EG. And I think more people will be tuning in for Arkosh now after they gave a pretty decent fight against EG in one of the games. I mean, just goes to show, you know, the Arkosh, I think there's very much a chance that some of these other teams in the re in that division, uh, that they could struggle against Arkosh. Yep. You know, if Arkosh is on, 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 having a good day. Yeah, we also have uh, some more information on EG, because of course, after they won, we got an interview. Uh, this one was with Crit, and Crit also was able to shine some more light on the, uh, on the roster shuffles. Yeah, I mean, it, it, I could talk about it for a long time, obviously, but I think we, we, some of us had been talking to Jerex for a while, even uh, before TI, and uh, he was kind of interested in the idea of, of playing with us. And when we heard of that, like, obviously, it was, it was very, very simple for us to, to take that. Like, that was something we all wanted. Um, for Nightfall, obviously, it was a little bit more of a, we had a little bit of a search because he's not an offlaner, so we had to. We kind of had to talk to him about it because we f we felt like he fit the the role well. Um, so we had to kind of. He also had to think about it himself because obviously it's a big it's a big thing. He was like one of the best carries at TI, and then does he want to switch the role? Um, so, but we think we we just thought that his his skill set as a player, regardless of role, is like what we wanted uh, as the, for our offlaner. So he he fits really well for us, and and we're happy that he decided to to make the switch for us. Yeah, Nightfall switching to the offlane, and of course Jarex as the the pos five. Uh, it makes me curious though when he says that Jarex already had set his interests months before TI. I don't know, it kind of feels weird to me because it, it kind of feels, I feel like, they knew already that there were going to be changes and I don't know if you would do that if you still have good hopes for the team that you're with right then. I, I don't know, I, from an outsider perspective, doesn't it feel a little odd? It does and it's got to feel bad for the players on the team, right? I, I'm not sure how open they are or were yeah. with each other about it or were having talks with a certain player if they were just doing it behind like flies back or I'm not sure what's going on I mean the the teams have been together for a while like we've had yeah. two-year rosters right for a lot of these teams so it doesn't make sense that as the results were not what they wanted they started to have the talks just in preparation maybe they didn't even expect to do well at TI and that's why they had these talks in advance which it, I mean, it's got to feel bad for the players who get kicked, right? I, I can't really comment on that kind of feeling. <laughs> like I mean, if you're going to get kicked, little... getting kicked for Jerax, sure. most people consider one of the top three or best player in the world for a long time. Yeah. I mean, but... one way to view it, though, my interpretation of that was, I mean, one thing I know for sure is that uh, Kurt and Jerax have potentially wanted to play with each other in the past. They have played and, an OG on the original yeah. roster, yeah. So... I believe. Did they? No. Yeah, they yeah. did. They I did. did. Yeah, when they were winning the majors, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Crit yeah. was on OG. With, with, with uh, Monkey Moon. Business. With Moon, Crit. No Tail. No Tail. And Miracle. Yeah. This was like five No, that was Crit and Fly. Crit and Jerax have not played on the same team. No, Jerax was on OG. Crit left. Oh, he left Crit, for... Crit got replaced by... Yeah, Crit. that was it. Yeah. They oh, were, really? And then yeah. Crit left for EG. Okay, yes, yes, yes. Yeah. Yeah, because they both played four. That's right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. But um, they've wanted to play with, they respect each other a lot and they've wanted to play with each other before. So the way I view that is um, it's not necessarily those guys were going out of their team 
talking to people, hey, do you want to replace someone going into this TI or something like that? I also didn't get the sense of that when they talked, when I talked to them in the interview that I think that team will always go in TI like 100% committed, mm. 100% the belief that they're going to win that year or get to top three or do really well. Um, they're not necessarily looking for scapegoats or considering kicking someone to like a concrete degree. I mean, I can't speak for them. Maybe things fell apart super fast. It can always happen. Um, but I think it was more just if Jarex was thinking about coming back, then it's likely he also approached people on his own. And yeah. it could have been something from his side in terms of, hey, what are you guys planning for next year? Are you guys happy with the current team? Because as an outsider, you don't know how a team's functioning, right? True. And the only way to get information or to put your name in the hat is just to, is to go, go to out them. and yeah. say it. Which sure. is also awkward because I'm sure Jax doesn't want to go to these teams and be like, hey, you're going to kick anybody, you know? <laughs> yeah, yeah, you put yeah. my name in there. Yeah. It is a very weird thing to do, um, but you have to do it. Yeah, it's the, way, it's the way it works, I guess. Yeah, for me, it's just... Um, I had a conversation with someone on that team, and I'm not sure if this applied to the entire team, but that person did not go into TI with high expectations. For that EG roster, yeah, so names or no? <laughs> yeah, so so maybe um maybe there was just some kind of dysfunction happening. Was this after their boot camp or? I'm I'm not sure exactly. This conversation happened after TI, because so. mm. I know their boot camp was very rocky. Mm. So sometimes you like they had a huge break. You go in, things are gonna be really good. But then if your boot camp is really bad before TI, it's really hard to go into TI. Yeah. You're kind of in salvage mode almost. Mm. You're like, all right, guys, we are not in good form. We're behind the meta. That's why you should Let's go to Jordan. Let's not get eliminated. That's why you should go to Eat Jordan. Eat some good food, have some good times, as Jordanians will take care of you. So I think you got 2 0 in their first match? Well, not everyone's there, right? <laughs> wasn't someone missing? True. Puppy, was puppy is, wasn't, is not there yet. <laughs> Someone's not there yet. So once they unleash the five Jordanian superpower squad... <laughs> Yeah, the full power. Because he has said yeah. that he was going to go over and it will just take some time. It was more a spur of the moment thing where Nisha's like, well, I want to go. And then he's like, well, I'll go too. And now Poppy's like, wait a second, everybody's there. <laughs> Gotta go too. We'll take some time. Uh, we'll also take some time before we can start talking about the China DPC, by the way, uh, in case you missed it. They are... Um, delayed, or rather they just start later. They start in January. Biggest reason for that, of course, is that a couple of teams were uh, locked in Romania for a, a long time and therefore still needed to have their break and stuff afterwards. And uh, now it's just waiting to start. They did start Division 2, and it is a very spicy Division 2. Very curious to see which two teams will uh, come out on top because they are definitely also will be doing very well in Division 1. I would imagine the, the roster shuffle in China was pretty, pretty mad, I believe. I do want to touch up on Southeast Asia as well because that's been a crazy region. And I must say, only watched like one and a half series or so. Um, and one of those, uh, one of the series was Fnatic SMG uh, caught the tail end of that, and that was not an even ordeal. Fnatic, I had higher hopes. I think the org generally also has pretty high hopes, but they got two out by SMG. It's a bit sad. I mean, it is sad. I, I haven't been able to watch that series yet, just because I've been um, a bit preoccupied with NA in Europe. Mm -hmm. But there were changes that happened to Fnatic, right? They got sure. Armel, they got Hanuel, Johnwell, Johnwell, Johnwell. Are you sure? That was what I heard, but I could be horribly wrong. Don't don't hold me to pronunciations. <laughs> <laughs> no, but I thought like you, you know you got you got Jabs, DJ, and Raven still. So that's that's some pretty high caliber names. And I don't know. I'm not saying that that Mid One and Moon and Raging Potato are not high caliber names <laughs> on the side of SMG. But I don't know. I always feel like 
Fnatic is able to um, at least fight for the top three, and in that series, they did not come across like they would be able to. They did have a rocky year last year, though. They right? did, but very uh, much the so. The results were very mixed, and they looked really good in their region, but a lot of times at the lands, it fell short of their expectations. Um, I think this squad, you have DJ back to four, which is, I think, where he should be playing. Mm -hmm. I personally did not really feel his impact on five. I think it's a very awkward transition for him, especially on that team. I understood why they did it, um, but I think this is a better fit for them. I think this team will take some time to find their footing, but I think they'll get there. I think Raven is a, still a top three carry player in the region easily, and that gives you a lot of robustness that you can build around. It'll give you some consistency over the long term. I would say the same about Raven. Um, I know that there, there were a lot of Raven critics last mm -hmm. DPC season, or tour, rather, uh, just because I don't want to say it's his fault, right? But the games that they lost, it felt like the fans were just piling up all the blame on him. So that, that's got to feel really bad, right? Yeah. Just, to, just to feel like he's the scapegoat of that team. So hopefully there can be some kind of shift and... Uh, fan perception when it comes to that because there's a lot that goes on in these teams especially when you bring in new players and it's always like the start of the season after these shuffles that everything looks the worst for potentially really good lineups. Yep. I'm also always happy to see some teams sticking together, like T1 stuck together. And, uh, oh, and on South America, we actually have Beast Coast once again sticking together as well. Are you happy to see that? Because they're, of course, the team that made such a great run at TI9. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, I, I still think that, I mean, why I, I, why would you change the roster, really? Mm. I mean, sure, you know, they're not winning TI, but they're showing up at lands and they're, you know, giving some, uh, you know, pretty good showings. Um, yeah, I mean, obviously, what well, recently was this TI that they uh, they did have that rough series when they got to the main stage and got knocked out. I don't think that's, you know, that isn't Beast Coast. You know, I think they, for whatever reason, they just had a really bad day, really bad, you know, rough Dota. Um, so... I, I'm kind of glad that they were able to look past that and still stick together because mm -hmm. they know that you know they they can achieve much better than that and and they have done you know previously. So you know in a, in a region where you know you look at a lot of the other rosters and you've had you know a lot of changes, a lot of, sort of new rosters, new lineups come into play. Um, the fact that they've stuck together, I would imagine, is going to bode pretty well for them. And uh, I think you know you could expect to see Beast Coast having a pretty good year, um, yeah. at least when it comes to the league play. Um, Obviously, in lands, it could be hit or miss, but I think there's every reason to still believe that they could be the team that turns up and upsets some of the bigger squads, especially with the amount of time that, that they have now played together as this unit. And Thunder Predator, now Lava, also stuck together. So that's another uh, big name of five that, of course, they didn't deliver during TI, um, but they were doing quite okay, especially the first land they attended, Effie. Um, that was a Singapore major. They were able to make top eight at least. Top I think six. top six even. Yeah, exactly. So they they did very well. So they believe in the squad. Mm -hmm. It's just it didn't come out of TI. It's, but that's something that apparently all players are like in agreement, saying that wasn't us. <laughs> that was more like the setting. And of course, they also just switched uh, coaches. I don't know. Yeah, they had fear. Yeah, right. Um, I don't want to attribute too much to fear being the coach because I think that when they did do well it was just a really good patch for them mm -hmm. and when we saw them debut on the new patch which I think was during ESL one fall it didn't seem like they were able to adjust to it like yes it was the first week after a new patch but they were playing the same things they weren't willing to try uh 
to experiment a little bit or maybe just play what the other teams were playing. This was when the emergence of mid-coddle had happened and yeah. they were sticking to their terror blades and their things like that, right? So I feel like that lack of flexibility going into TI or maybe just needing the the patch to accommodate them was what their downfall was. So hopefully there can be a difference there, right? Because that team can do so well when they are set up to do well. Yeah, we saw, yeah. We saw that. It's, it's just also always surprising to see a team not change when they didn't do that well, right? I, I, I don't know. I think I'm happy that they stuck together because I do think that they can be good. They just have to indeed understand the patch. And I don't know, is Fear still coaching them or did they find a different coach? I believe Fear left. I don't think he's coaching them anymore. Yeah, he's not. And they don't have a replacement coach, I guess? No. They might, but I'm not aware of it. Not aware of it either. Um, overall, again, there's only one series played for most of the team, so uh, nothing too surprising yet. Um in that region either. And then we have talked about all the regions in this uh, deep CTLDR. Anything that happened this week that we still want to mention? Did we talk about China? Yeah, we said that they didn't play any games. Uh, I just wanted to shout, <laughs> shout the Chinese fans out. You can actually watch Extreme Gaming. It has uh, three names that we are very fond of. Uh, paparazzi, DIY, and PYW. They're actually stuck in Division 2 right now, which I find... Are they doing good? So funny. I don't think they've played yet, actually. Okay. Yeah. Because it's the way that they're doing it. Okay, so we know that the Chinese Division 1 has been postponed to start in January. Are they just playing more Div 2 matches now and then more Div 1 matches later? Or are they going to condense... Well, I imagine they've probably just kept Division 2 schedule as standard. I'm investigating. Actually, they have played one series and they've won it. Astro Aries have played three series, so there there are teams that have played a lot. Of, Magma has played four series. I have a question regarding so right. Astro Aries. Oh, yeah, I guess. Yeah. You are very correct. They are then, yeah, because there, there was one team, I think it's Astro Aries, that is 3-0 right now. Because it they is. have a chance of, of course, advancing to Division t uh, 1. Which is great, Aster Aries, but then they would be in the same division as normal Aster. And I forgot what the rules are for having two teams for one org at Alan. What if they both qualify? Talk to me. You, you know <laughs> it? What, what is it? What's, what's the deal? Very gray area. It's up to Valve's discretion, basically. Uh. But generally, you are not allowed to have two teams on the same org compete at TI. Yeah. Oh, a TI, but yeah, the I major think the is rule fine. Was like, well, the rule was, I think it's TI. Yeah, okay. mainly they TI. Yeah. So they so can like play the at majors I think and try to qualify for yeah. TI, but then a TI is like, well... If, yeah, if they both get to one. TI, they, they can't be under the same. Yeah, I mean, the yeah, general assumption is that an org won't get two teams there. I'm not sure what happens if they actually do. Interesting. Valve just pre-eliminates one, or they yeah. fight to the death for the slot. But. My question for Aster and Aster Aries is... So this okay. So Astra swapped out White Album for Ori. Is that really an upgrade? Because yes, Ori is an incredible mid laner, and White Album ha definitely has shown that he can be right up there with the greats in China. Mm -hmm. But both of them underperformed so much the last DPC season. But White Album, you can make excuses for him because he was sick at TI. Before TI, he was kind of he had he had weird. He was doing well sometimes and badly some. Just like Ori, just like both of these mid laners. So you don't think they're stable? Were inconsistent for the entire DPC season. So what you would think is Aster would swap out White Album's inconsistency with a more consistent mid laner, but they got Ori, who also flip flopped for most of the season. So that's just what I, when I looked at the roster shuffle, I was like, huh, are you sure about this? Well, we'll see how it goes. It's going to be really interesting. Cool. 
Yeah, no, sorry. You go over it. No, after, after you. <laughs> no, I was, I was just going to say, I feel like maybe the, the thing is with those two players that you could argue that Ori has more of a history where he wasn't flip-flopping, right? So even though the recent stuff from both of them might kind of be at a similar level, maybe as a team you can still sort of say, well, you know, he's, he's got it in him. You know, we know that Ori's had sort of these runs where he has been a dominant mid laner, so you're playing for the fact that he's he's going to be able to bring back that magic again. So they believe in him more. Yeah, I think so. I think, you know, that's got to be it, right? You, you just know that this, you know, Ori, as a player, he can do it. You know, mm -hmm. recent results, whatever, maybe there's, you know, real life issues or just team issues. We get him in our squad, we're going to be able to make him play like the Ori of the past. I'd yeah. love to see Ori back at peak Ori. It's just... Part of me has a feeling about it. What I think that say? team had personal level issues with yeah. the White Album. Um, I don't want to, like, say anything that isn't Throwing speaking the to the team, <laughs> but um, I think for they have wanted, they have considered replacing him or switching him out for a while. It was not something new after TI. Does it so, have to do with his hero puddle? I think it's just mainly his gameplay. It, it didn't mesh with them. Um, I have I have very good reason to believe that at one point there was possibility they were going to get Sumail Ooh. to go and play on Aster. That would be. That would have been crazy. Who doesn't speak any Chinese. I was going to say, the language barrier, because it's not just that he doesn't speak any Chinese, it's also that the rest doesn't really speak any English. Yes. So it was so just, both you ways. Know, you get Sumail, he goes mid, ping a rune, maybe he destroys the guy hard enough. Mm. I have a high confidence in that rumor, but... Uh, so it's fine, yeah, that's, that might, but, it's cool. Yeah, I think they had, they had issues as a team in terms of him gelling with the other people or seeing eye to eye for a while, so to me it's not surprising. Um, I think they just took whoever they believed in. Now I'm sad that didn't happen. It would have been interesting. It would have been it super been interesting. Cool. There's not a lot of Western players that have yeah. gone to China or been successful. Like, I don't know if it would have been, if it would have worked or not, but it would be really cool to see if it would work or not. So I feel it like would it would not have worked. <laughs> you never know. Yeah, I feel you like know. that would be one of those things where it sounds really cool and then it happens and then like after a month of play, it, it's <laughs> so it's like, happening anymore out. and it's like, why? Well, or the other way around, get this guy out. Yeah. yeah. Ah, and uh, we are going to have a lot of fun uh, with a lot of games still upcoming and a lot of Dota still to be played. Um, yeah, the, this was the, the Deep Sea TLDR. We hope you're a little bit wiser compared to when you first tuned in today. And uh, we hope that we were able to fill your uh, maybe a little bit of a knowledge gap if you weren't able to watch all the games all the time. We'll try to keep you up to date. Any feedback is also welcome as this is a very new show. So um, no idea where you can go with that feedback. <laughs> the comments... Tweets. Yeah, they can post well, in the comments. Yeah. So there were some comments on the first episode, like on YouTube. Yeah, you know, yeah. Just say YouTube. hi, YouTube. Hello. Um, but yeah, do all of that. Uh, tune back in next time round. And uh, make sure you stay hydrated and safe. Sounds very good. So I uh, hope you'll have a lovely time. We'll see you on the show next time.
What's Your Style.